how are you today? You're at the spot, the place, the location where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Today, we have Lori James, my sister up north from me uh, here in San Diego. Uh, we both lived in Los Angeles for a period of time, so we got to vibing and talking about all the things that we've experienced, but she is a woman that is deeply embedded in education and also working for the embetterment of young African girls. She travels back and forth with her nonprofit to support them, and she also takes them uh, sanitary, you know, Hygiene products. Yeah, hygiene. That's where I was looking for. I was looking for that word. Hygiene <laughs> products, but also she also cleanses them, the hygiene of the soul, with giving them love and support. So let's welcome her to the show. Oh, and I forgot, Brains. She's going to read some excerpts from her book. We have something to look forward to. How are you, Lori James? I'm doing great. How are you? I can't complain about nothing. I had a good weekend this weekend. I went to a uh, mastermind. And they they wow. really, yeah, they really uh, became disruptive in my brain. And that's okay. what we need sometimes because we become complacent. Do you ever find yourself being complacent? Sometimes I do. And I, I like that you said it put a ruffle on your brain because I like to say it puts a wrinkle in your brain. Things that you remember, you will never forget. I say they put a wrinkle on your brain. They do. They uh -huh. do. And so many times we get self-absorbed or we become mechanical. We do right. the same thing over and over and over again. But when you find an interest in something outside of yourself that you can pour into, it really makes you feel good and it also challenges you. How did you find yourself in this space of working with young women in Africa of all places? Okay. Well, in first of all, let me start off how... Uh, telling you about how I started my nonprofit. Um, I, when I retired, I retired from the County of Los Angeles. And when I retired, I found myself um, pondering over my life. What can I do to help people? What can I do to help young girls who were like me, who were lost as a teenager, who went down a spiral, a downward spiral and, um, I wanted to help those young girls change the trajectory of their lives. Um, so a little bit about my background. I was a teen mom, high school dropout, and I um, got in a relationship at a very young age, ended up marrying the father of my children, and we stayed married for 29 years. Oh. However, it took me um, to pull myself up by the bootstraps to go and get a GED, get a, a, a associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, have a full career with the government to become a homeowner and have, like I said, a long marriage for 29 years to realize that there are a lot of young girls out there that need help and they need guidance and they need um, mentoring. Mm -hmm. So I created Purpose Youth Foundation, especially to help young girls um, between the ages of 13 to 19, teenage years. The years where you're subjected to bullying, peer pressure, you may, not, you may find a disconnect with your parents. 
So all of these things I wanted to incorporate in the nonprofit. So I began um, having mentoring workshops in the subjects that I felt I needed someone to teach me, things that I wish someone would have taught me. I grew up as an only child, so I didn't have sisters, I didn't have brothers, I didn't have um, anybody to tell me, you know, and, and raised by a single mom, anyone to tell me the things that I felt that I needed to keep me from going astray. Mm. So I wanted to pour with your into- mom being a single mom, you know, she had to make ends meet. Exactly, exactly. So I felt that I wanted to pour into these young girls the things that I felt that I missed out on. The, you know, like I said, the mentoring, someone to talk to you about things that if you weren't hearing from um, your family, you were hearing from your peers. And they, they're not always telling you the right way. Always, girl. They don't know <laughs> nothing. They just as dumb as you are. <laughs> right. Exactly. They, they exactly. going off what somebody else said. But how did you find these young young women? Because that's a, a challenge within itself. It's not oh. as easy to go into the schools. You know, you can't just go into the school and say, hey, you know, I want to start a workshop. They're going to say, well, where's your credentials? Where's your PhD? You know, mm -hmm. let's, let's, let me run your uh, fingerprints and all this kind of stuff. Then you go into the church organizations. That's good. Don't get me wrong. But it's a religious doctrine. And sometimes people don't want to be whooped or punished with the Bible. They want to be loved and nurtured. So how did you find these group of young women that you created this collective with and they found mentorship under you? Okay, so you are right. It is um, difficult to find a, a group of girls. So I started off with family, my, you know, young cousins and young uh, friends, friends that had young daughters. And then I started going into the school, taking flyers, going to parks, like you said, churches. And then it became word of mouth. So my very first mentoring workshop, I had 20 young ladies, wow. 20 young ladies. And, I, and that was a vision board workshop in January of 2019. And that was the very first one. Um, so from um, workshop to workshop, it would vary. And I never knew how many girls would come. And then I was lucky enough to partner with a company called... Um, Project Access, which is a low-income housing community within um, a facility. So I would go to their community center there, and the students there would be in the after-school program. So they, they would have to be there because they were waiting for their parents to get, you know, come pick them up. So they would do their homework. Mm -hmm. They had a um, computer lab. So I would be there every Wednesday, Wednesday I'm sorry, not every Wednesday, one Wednesday of the month. And um, they really loved it because we did all types of things. I mean, we had parties, we had jewelry making workshops where they made um, beads. We had um, instructor-led paint workshops where, you know, just like a paint and sip, mm -hmm. but we didn't, you know, we didn't have the sip. And we would have the 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 people that own these uh, paint and sip companies come to them and instruct them how to make, you know, butterflies or flowers or whatever the painting was. But we also had 
financial literacy workshops. We had ballet workshops. We had um, bullying workshops, hygiene workshops, how to become an entrepreneur, leadership, just so many things that I felt these young ladies needed. And it was wonderful because again, with the arts and the craft, that's another way of self-reflection. You can tell yes. a lot about a person's uh, drama by the colors that they use. Exactly. The designs that they make, their trauma. They may not want to verbally tell you, but you can mm -hmm. visually see them express themselves. And that is a way for them to engage in conversation. Because you just don't want to walk up to somebody and just, well, what's your problems? And then they're like, you know, lady, you better back up off me. I don't know <laughs> you, you know, really. And it, especially in Los Angeles, it's like New York or, you know, Boston, any other urban uh, community, there's a code of ethics. And that's you keep your mouth shut and you don't engage in conversations with strangers because it can be right. troublesome. So that well, was a great way to break through and, and break in and have a great conversation with those young ladies. Yes. And this became a safe space for them. And they, you know, didn't mind talking and sharing what they were going through. I also met so many women who were in the same space, um, wanting to mentor to youth. I met women who were authors of teen books mm -hmm. and um, women that had made work, um, workbooks for teens. So I would have, the, I would always have experts in their field come in. So these women who had authored these books would come in and do their workshop and give the girls a workbook. And every time um, I had a workshop, whatever the topic was, the um, mentees would get, if it was a book, um, I have um, one um, young lady who's now become a good friend and she has a book, Little Girl, Little Girl, Don't Get Lost in This World. And it talks about fatherless daughters and it talks about, um, you know, sex and peer pressure and all the things that teenage girls go through. So um, she came in and she did her workshop, but all the young ladies received her book. Oh. And, you know, I have another friend and now also a good friend and she had a butterfly um, workbook. And, and it talks about time management and different things like that. And so they got to keep that workbook and work through it with her during the workshop, but also keep the workbook to work on for themselves. So these inspiring authors lit a fire under you and you wrote a book. Tell us a little bit about the book that you wrote. Okay. So as I mentioned before, I was um, married for 29 years and then I became suddenly single. Now, this is um, a collaboration with four other authors, and they all became suddenly single, e either through divorce, incarceration, death, you know. So mine was through divorce. So um, I'm just going to um, share a little bit of it with you because I actually... Um, met my husband, my ex-husband, when I was 14 years old. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, it says, oh, this is the dedication. Um, just a moment. Okay. Um, here it is. How could a 14-year-old girl ever imagine that walking home from school and meeting a boy could change her life for the next 50 years? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. 
while walking home from school one day, 12 days before my 15th birthday, I met him. He was standing in front of his home with two of his friends. And he told his friends, I'm gonna get that girl with those skinny legs. And that's exactly what he did. By the time I was 15, we were intimate. And by the time I was 16, I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a, just a little bit of it. And then I want to say, um, <laughs> I, I, I want to say that, you know, if you read this book, I don't want to give too much away, but you will really um, enjoy it. And not only my my um, part in the anthology, but the other young ladies who, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. were became suddenly single. You know, it, it's a lot uh, to undertake to try to figure out who you are, your identity. You're going through puberty. You've got peer pressure. You got pressure at home. You got pressure at school. You feel like you are in a pressure cooker. Right. And then you find yourself in a situation where you are under pressure because now you're a mother. Right. At 16 years old, you a baby raising a baby. Right, right. What do you say to that young girl that's struggling with that right now? You know, because a lot of times families, not all, but they're going to mm -hmm. put you out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Instead of embracing, uh, because it was a mistake. I don't really mm -hmm. think that, you know, children do that. You hear a lot of girls say, well, you know, I got pregnant because I wanted somebody to love. And then mm -hmm. you realize that you got yourself in a whole big situation. So Lori, what would you say to that young girl that's just out there right now? And she just don't, she's lost. She just don't know what to do. Okay. I would tell her that you can make it. You can change the trajectory of your life. You concentrate on your raising your child but you also have to concentrate on yourself and getting yourself together. And, um, you know, like I said, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and you have to do whatever you have to do to get you there. Now I did get, go on welfare. I did go on welfare. However, while I was on welfare, I started, like I said, when I took the GED, passed it the first time, no, because I was a smart kid. and Sometimes when you're a smart kid, number one, you may get bored in school, but number two, you may get teased for being smart by the quote unquote cool kids. Like, who does she think she is? She's in all these organizations and clubs at school and she thinks she sucks something because she gets straight A's or whatever. So it can come a point where you don't want to be smart or good in right, school. Right, 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 right. Because you, you want to be with the cool kids, right? So that's kind of what happened too. But because I was always smart, um, I was able to, I went with two friends to take the GED. They didn't pass, I did, okay? And so I said, well, let me go on and go to college. Because <laughs> I had that in me, even though I was on welfare, let me go to college. Let me take advantage of this. Mm -hmm. Go to college. I had the resources for childcare, crystal stairs, you know, so you can use these resources. You might be in a bad place at that particular time, but you can pull yourself out of it. You can find ways, you can find resources. There's a lot of help out there. Take advantage of it, get yourself together. 
And then you, you can have a happier life because, you know, after I got my AA degree, I started working for the County of Los Angeles and I wasn't satisfied with where I was there. So I took every test that they offered that I qualified for. Mm -hmm. In 26 years, I got six promotions. Wow. I ended up as a human resources manager making six figures mm -hmm. before I retired. So it can be done. You can pull yourself up, you know, if you have the will and determination to do it, you know, and you can get yourself out of that situation and it can come to the point where no one ever, you know, will look at you and say, oh, well, look at her. She, she was a teen mom. Look, you know, look how her life turned out. And don't feel so, bad because you need to reach out and get government assistance. That's what it's there it's, for. We got exactly. people coming from all over the world that's getting it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So if you have to go in and you have to go in with your head held high, uh, talk to your social worker. See if there's additional programs that she can assist you with so that you don't have to be uh, an enabler or, you know, be constructed or confined and defined by what this stigma or what people have put the stigma on you. you exactly. Go ahead and do what it is that you need to do. Exactly. And be careful about them people that say they love you. Okay. Right. <laughs> As Tina taught us a long time ago, what love got to do with it? Exactly. You have to be exactly. able to love yourself, love that child, and forge ahead. But uh -huh. you've done so much more. You've overcome adversity. You consciously uncoupled and decided to start a life all over again. And that took courage. Even right. though, you know, even though you said that you uh, was divorced and you were suddenly single it still took courage because now you had to look at yourself after all those many years in the mirror and redefine who Lord James is. Who am I without this other person? Exactly. Exactly. Where am I going to uh, go? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? Am I going to be attractive to anybody else? Exactly. You know, Especially at my age that comes into play too. Well, honey, you looking like fine wine. So, Oh, thank you. That, that's, you know, do we want to go back to being 25? I don't. No, no. <laughs> so you've taken all of this skill, this talent, this love, this desire, your book, and you created a non-for-profit. Why Africa of all places? And how did you get involved with that? Okay. So right after I retired in May of 2016, and right uh, around that time, they were announcing on KJLH, which is a famous radio station in Los Angeles, mm. that they were having their first trip to Africa. So they were going to Ghana. And Dominique de Prima was, um, she had a show on their um, front page early in the morning. And I had listened to Dominique de Prima for years because she was on between four and six and that was all four and six a.m. And that was the time that I was always getting ready for work. Mm -hmm. So she would have, you know, political, civil, you know, just all kind of community topics, which I was, you know, into. So I would listen to her. So I, you know, I said, I think I want to go on that trip. 
And it was, in, like I said, I retired in May and the trip was in June. So I ran, you know, at the last minute, got my passport and my visa and paid the money. And I went on the trip to Ghana. And then um, the organization that put on the trip is called African Focus. And they started um, doing all kinds of other things. They have this annual induction ceremony where they advise you to get your DNA tested and you find out what country you're from and you um, they link you up with um, uh, people from that country who live here and they become your family and you teach them the African-American culture and they teach you the African culture from the country that you your heritage is. Oh, that's neat. So um, as a matter of fact, this Saturday, they're having an African dance competition where they have different um, African groups, from, I mean, African-American mostly mm -hmm. from different, um, representing different countries and they dance and to see who will win and get a prize. So that's another thing they do. But besides that, they started giving a trip to Africa every year and every year I have gone. Oh, wow. So I have been to, I think the second year was Senegal and Gambia, and I've been to Tanzania, and I've been to Ethiopia, and I've been to uh, South Africa, and I've been to Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So, um, And they're all Ghana, so different. They're all so different. But Ghana um, was the first place I went. And I started going back there on my own with my organization because not only did I just feel home there because it was the first place I went to. They, you know, everyone speaks English there besides their other language tree. And then um, I had a um, met someone there who had lived here, and she moved there, built a house there, and every time I would come, she would welcome me to her home. And um, she also had a nonprofit and she had children always there. And some of the travelers, we sponsored one of the um, children. So I have a daughter named Blessing that I sponsor. So I, that's why I always go back to Ghana. So this March will be my fourth annual trip to Ghana with my organization. Mm. So we go there, we speak We've spoke at the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology to the college students there about hygiene and purpose. I've linked up with a, my business partner is um, Nakia Hanna, and she is the founder of Hygiene First. And they go, she goes around and has vending machines with hygiene products put in schools, shelters, stadiums. So the school students, you know, if they're on campus and they have an accident with their menses, they can just go to the hygiene uh, machine and get um, um, sanitary pads. They can get wipes. They can get um, toothpaste, deodorant, um, mouthwash, um, you know, anything for your hygiene is there on campus for them. So um, we pair up and we, she does her speech on hygiene. I do my speech on purpose. But we also go to elementary, junior high, high schools, 
besides the university and we speak and give hygiene products. So we are, um, our trip is jam packed with us serving the youth in Ghana. And um, it's, it's, it's really uh, like boom, 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 boom. We have like two days where we do nothing but go to schools and speak and donate products. You know, the other was telling me uh, a while back, there's a couple things that because of the lack of available hygiene products, a lot of times the girls don't even go to school. They don't go to school. They don't take the whole week off of school. And they take and... the whole week off of school and they are ostracized. Exactly. Uh, they don't feel feminine. They feel nasty. Right. And then in some of these countries, they're still doing um, clitoris cutting. Where yes. They, it, and it's cultural. Right. Exactly. up the vagina because they want the girl to stay pure. Right. A whole different culture scene brains. It's not just because they don't want to. It's because this is tradition. And it's hard to break a tradition. Exactly. And then you have these individuals that are coming in with a Western influence that's totally disrupting everything that they've known for years. Mm -hmm. So now there is a new evolution and a cultural awareness because these young girls are, you know, they want to get they they don't want kinky hair anymore. They want they don't right. want things. they want their hair straight. They want these uh what are they, these creams that bleach their skin? Bleach your skin, right? Then the the sanitation. They want to go to to uh, get these short skirts. They don't want to speak their traditional language. It's a whole lot going on, right? So when there is somebody like you that go and immerse yourself in the culture and become an equalizer. And a stable force, that's a gift and that's a blessing. And so right. I thank you for that. Again, another, you know, another act of courage. Right, right. And you're and, and you're absolutely right because um when I talk about purpose, those are some of the things that I talk about. I let them know how beautiful they are. I mean, when I went to South Africa um June of last year. I was blown away by the students. They do this chant every day to, you know, uplift them and motivate them to get, um, you know, pumped up about their schoolwork. And I, I don't really see that here in the U.S. like that. And I let them know, don't think, oh, I got to get to America. I want to get to America. You're doing a great job here. Do what you can for your country. Don't be, you know, so caught up in America, America. And a lot of the Africans do think, I want to go to America. That's where everything's at. But now things are starting to turn around where African-Americans are wanting to go to Africa and wanting to move to Africa. So I let them know, don't get caught up in that America stuff that you want, you know, you want to come there, you want to start a life there. Utilize what you have there and make a difference there. Absolutely. And I tell people that all the time. America is changing, baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is not what it used to be. Right. Um, but I will tell you, this has been my experience of not sometimes being well received in Africa as an African-American woman. Mm-hmm. 
there is a difference. There is well, here's the thing that like of all the countries I've been to, I don't feel that way in Ghana. I feel welcome there because there, there wasn't, um, you know, in 2019, the year of the return where Ghanaians wanted African American, come home, come home, come here. And then not only that, there are, um, it's land being given away if you come there, you know? So in Ghana, you, you're going to get a totally different experience from some of the other countries, mm -hmm. you know? And, and like you were mentioning about the clitoris cutting and all that, that's not there. But one thing we do, Nakia and I are trying to implement there is trying to get the girls or the young ladies to use the sustainable period panties. Mm. There are a lot of um, people going into business making those now because one time I heard this from one of my colleagues that when we donated the pads and because of their plumbing and everything is not, you know, up to par in most places, they yeah, didn't know how to, yeah, they didn't know how to dispose of them. And they saw some on a chain link fence. That's how they dispose. Cause you know, the sticky part, they just put them up there. So now we're trying to get into, um, sustainable under pan you know panties uh -huh. period panties so we're trying to get together to to donate those and even teach them how to make them mm. because wow. and then that could be a business there and i and i you know i said that last year in my speech that you know somebody could do that learn how to do that and that would you know um at first, it's going to be frowned upon because they're going to look at it like, well, why can't we have the 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 other type, right. you know, the disposable ones? But once it catches on and everybody sees that it's more sustainable and less um, expensive, I think it, it, it'll do great there. It will. And also, they can use <clears throat> natural ingredients. Right. To reduce odor or infection mm -hmm. or rashes or a, a lot of other things. So I see that it being a great opportunity to, again, be uh, a great business. And if there's any venture capitalists out there, I'm <laughs> Lori James's number, go on and write her a check, okay? <laughs> Help her out. Because again, there's you can't do it by yourself. You can't pour from an empty coffer. And money is energy, baby. You're supposed to keep it fluid. You're supposed to keep it moving. So right, exactly. Fun, engaging stuff. Because we done talked about the heavy duty stuff. Lori, if you could time travel, mm -hmm. past, present, or future, where would you land? Um, I probably would go to the future. I'm one of those people who always lives in the future. And that's why I like to travel so much because when I travel, it puts me in the present. That's I think that's one of the only times I'm in the present. Um, other than that, I'm thinking, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. And what about this? And what about that? I'm not one that, oh, have regrets about the past. I'm one that would like to travel to the future. So I would like to, um, I would say, maybe go 50 years from now yeah. in the future. Oh, no, I want to be in 3030. 
Oh, okay. okay. Want, yeah, girl, I want to go way out. I want to see how they wear their hair. They probably make love just winking at each other. <laughs> yeah, well, I say that because time, um, time is moving so fast. Technology is moving so fast. And my thought is, you know, people say the world's going to come to an end, this and that. But my thought is the world is going to come to the, to an end when man thinks he knows everything and he doesn't need God. And to me, it's going pretty fast. It's like it's getting like man think he don't need God, you know, but right. it's not quite there yet. But it's it's moving in that direction. Uh, I mean, so, you just pick up the book of Revelations. Right. I have to put it down. I do. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm like, I didn't think I was going to be here to see any of this. Right. And so many of it, so much of it has come to pass right now. Mm -hmm. Right now, the people are looking for this big, grandiose thing. It's progressing. And right. COVID, I thought, was the perfect introduction to having that pause and that quiet. What did you learn yes. during that? two and a half, almost three years. What did you learn? Well, I learned that to pivot because like I said, I was having these in-person workshops and I said, well, what am I going to do now? I can't just not have workshops anymore. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen with Purpose Youth Foundation? So I started having Zoom workshops and just the same, I'd have experts in their field. Um, you know, and they can be in the comfort of their home. And then the young ladies could be in the comfort of their home and I could be in the comfort of my home, but we would do the PowerPoints and we still have exercises and it worked out great. I had, um, right now we're in voting season and I had one workshop, my first vote. And I went over all the um, initiatives and all the candidates and you know, and told them how to register to vote, showed them a sample ballot, showed them a sample application for those 18 and over or 17 will be 18 by the time, you know, the election came. And that was a great opportunity. I had a congresswoman on with me and she talked about uh, how she got, I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry, not a congresswoman, a city councilwoman mm -hmm. of Carthon in the city that I lived in at that time. And she told them all about, you know, politics and everything and the importance of voting. It was great. You know, I I had, um, uh, what is she, a marriage and family therapist, mm. Keandra Jackson. She, you've probably seen her on TV and, and, you know, different places. And she was on one of my Zooms and teaching the girls. We did some fun exercises and, you know, so I learned to pivot during COVID. Um, and I saw a lot of people who were um, working, get laid off, become entrepreneurs. They learned to pivot. I right. saw a lot of pivoting going on. So that's pretty much what I got out of COVID. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of it too, but a lot of it was self-reflection and just be grateful for the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm grateful. Don't get me wrong, but the moment. Because you don't know right. if you're going to go out to the store and come back and be on a ventilator. Exactly. Uh, is there going to be a, any protective gear? Are mm -hmm. your kids ever going to go back to school? Are you ever going to go back to work? It right. was uncertain times. So I learned a lot about, you know, again, appreciating, not living in the moment, 
but mm -hmm. appreciating the moment because time is really an illusion. Right. There's no such thing as time. Exactly. And so we have to cherish what it is that we think that we have because in the Bible, they had 700 years, you know. Right. <laughs> some folks is lucky if they get to be 17, 18. Exactly. If you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be? Um, I'd probably be the refrigerator because yeah. I think um, everybody loves to go in there and get their favorite food out and everything, even if it's something they have to cook. <laughs> that I think it's the most... Uh, <laughs> adored appliance in the in the in the kitchen the refrigerator the, today i change from day to day today i'd be the dishwasher <laughs> oh would you i would be the dishwasher because it's hot it's steamy and get it clean mm -hmm. rise you know okay okay I, I think i could do that if you were an animal what animal would you be well i don't know um my um spirit and i don't know if you want to call this is an insect a butterfly I just absolutely love butterflies. Um, I love the metamorphosis from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And that's how, that's part of my logo. It's a butterfly, but the antennas are stretched out like this. Oh, like wow. I'm open, you yeah. know, so, and I love how butterfly, you know, just go from plants to plants to plants. And I'm also like a social butterfly. Right. So I just love the butterfly. That would be my not so the party animal. Oh, okay. Okay. You like <laughs> to party, huh? <laughs> you know, yeah. I like to uh it it, it depends, you know, and, and what does that party consist of? Sometimes it's just a conversation among women, sometimes it's enjoying good food, sometimes it's music, sometimes it's <laughs> dancing. Um you know, been there, done that. Again, I'm from LA, so I didn't party with the with the rock stars. Right. I don't think I could do that no more. But I, I think I would like to be again, unlike you, I'm a social butterfly. I like to go around. I like to engage with people. I like to tap into their brain. Um, you know, like I was telling you in the green room, I went to a great uh, event this past weekend and really got to engage in people's mind, listened more than talked. Because mm -hmm. I didn't want to miss anything. And I wanted to be that sponge. I wanted to be, you know, the one to absorb the information. Right. If, um, You have three wishes. What would they be? Anything. Doesn't have to be philosophical. Doesn't have to be spiritual. Just anything. Maybe a big bowl of ice cream. <laughs> what would be your wishes? No, no, no. I would, um, you know, I love to travel. I would love to travel at least once a month around the world because besides going to Africa I have you know done some traveling on my own and um uh, you know I've been to um Thailand Costa Rica oh, good. I'm going to Thailand in a few weeks oh, okay okay we'll talk, I went we'll to um Phuket because I went during COVID and um Bangkok was shut down so I went to Phuket mm -hmm. so yeah we're but, going to Bangkok and Phuket Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it was really it, during COVID. I, I still traveled. It was really rough and tough because mm. you had to get a um, test before you left. Wow! And you had to get a test once you got there. You got to get a test on your way back. You know, so I'm surprised you were even able to go. Yeah, and then there was a lot, a lot of paperwork, especially to um, Thailand, that I had to fill out. You know, health and all kind of stuff. 
Another thing I would like, um, I would like to see peace on earth, all this fighting and uh, seriously, um, my master's degree, oh, I, I forgot to mention, I went on to get a bachelor's and a master's, is in negotiation, conflict resolution, and peace building. Wow. So I am, you know, for peace. I'm a peaceful person. I don't like to conflict. I don't like to argue. I don't like to fight. I'm peaceful. So I would like to see peace on earth. I know it sounds corny. And I would like to eradicate racism. Because I don't know how people think because they was born with a certain hue and a certain type of hair and a certain color eyes that they better than somebody else. I don't get it. God made us all. But how do you think you're better? You know, how can you treat somebody like you do? Because that has been the status quo. I don't get it. So those are the three things. Well, those are travel peace and eradicate racism. Well, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Lori James, for being here with me and my brains on the edge. Be sure to uh, tell us how to get in contact with you, support you, uh, do whatever we can to elevate you, your message, and your cause. Okay. Well, I am, you can visit my website at www.purposeyou foundation.org um on purpose youth foundation on twitter instagram and facebook and yeah that there you can find me and uh you know those social media i try to post every single day on um facebook and instagram every day so you're going to see some content related to youth and informational stuff, resources, um, events that concern youth, all of that. Okay. Get your youth on brains, okay? Think back to when you were young and impressionable uh, and you didn't have anybody to reach out to, or maybe you did. Share that wisdom, share that love. Uh, think about when you were a young woman going through that transition of life. Could you imagine if you didn't have sanitation, if you couldn't feel feminine, if you couldn't uh, be able to acknowledge your womanhood, to know that it's not a punishment, that this is actually a gift because you are a giver of life. You know, think back to when you were struggling and you were in the thralls of consciously uncoupling or getting a divorce and how you were gonna regain your identity. Think about when maybe you dropped out of school and you said, you know what? I know that there's more to me than that. And when you think about all that, re-listen to this interview. It'll elevate you. It'll incite you. Go in, love, like, share, and subscribe. Here on The Edge, love, like, share, and subscribe. Thank you so much, Lori James. You are Thank you. And thank you, Brains. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.